0: Hi, and welcome to Shadow Talk's Weekly Intelligence Summary Track, where our team of analysts dive into the top threat intelligence stories each week. To read their full findings and analysis, make sure to visit resources.digitalshadows.com. Now here's your host, Harrison Van Riper.
1: Hello, you're listening to Shadow Talk. I'm your host for today, Victoria Austin. Move out the way, Harrison, there is a new host in town. As a quick intro, I've been at Digital Shadows for about a year and a half now. I joined the strategy and research team about four months ago. I'm also part of the Photon research team, and we recently published a new piece of research, 2FA, in review. The research attempts to wipe out any uncertainty, clouding 2FA, so if you're part of the organization that is thinking of deploying or building a 2FA solution, I definitely recommend reading it. You can access the research directly from our website, that's resources.digitalshadows.com. Less than one week to go until Black Cat and Defcon. If you're planning to go to Black Cat, Digital Shadows has a party on the Wednesday night at the Mandalay Bay. It's right in the middle of the hotel. That's Eye Candy Sound Lounge, 7pm until 10pm. To sign up, you can find a link in our bio. You may have also noticed that Show Talk has a new logo, it's very snazzy, so if you fancy grabbing some branded stickers, we'll have some available at Black Hat. That's booth 1014.
2: We are live
1: from London today, we have a very special show as I'm joined by the two other lovely ladies from Digital Shadows, I think this is a first. Um, on today's show we have Rose, Senior Intelligence Manager and Joué, CTI Specialist, so welcome ladies. Hi, it's great to be here. I liked that you
0: said you were joined by the other two ladies at Digital Shadows. <laughs> like there are in fact only three of
1: us. <laughs> there are more. <laughs> we're the most important ones. <laughs> um, yes. So I think Joy, this is a first. Um, you've
2: just joined the company, so do you want to yep. want to introduce yourself? Yeah. Hello, I'm Cher. I recently joined Digital Shadows as a cyber threat intelligence specialist. I'm based in the Singapore office, but this for the past one and a half weeks um, here in the London office for my orientation and I'll be here for another one and a half weeks and I'm so happy to be here.
1: Oh, great to have you. I know you've been working in uh, Rose's team, so um, Rose actually hasn't been on the show for a while. So where have you been?
0: I've been here, I think after the last time they realised that I have a tendency to mention either Rihanna or the Met Gala <laughs> every time
1: I'm on this, so I was banned I think for a little while. I'm very happy to talk about that. <laughs> Um, well, okay, we can start off by saying, I guess, well, uh, what's been going on this week then?
2: Well, this week there's been at least four cases of ransomware being reported globally. Mm-hmm. So we kinda see a bit of um, continuation to this trend of thought. So one of these um cases yeah. is of Solino Kibi. What a mouthful. Yeah, it's <laughs> <a mouthful. laughs> being delivered through a spam campaign in Germany, which is not something that's new. We've seen it before in other parts of Europe as well. And also um, a trend that ransomware seems to be affecting utilities provider and also local government networks in the US. Mm. I think for us this week, what has really been
0: thrown into quite sharp relief by the ransomware incidents is that we're seeing these parallel trends. So we have the incidents that was describing, like
2: Kibi. I keep
0: saying Sodenokibhi, but and it's <laughs> um, which is this very organized, big game hunting style of attack, which is where we see organized threat actors targeting fewer but higher profile or more lucrative targets. And they do that so there is less interaction with security researchers, there's less chance that they'll be discovered. But then at the same time, we see this proliferation, this normalisation of attacks targeting city governments. Mm -hmm. And we were talking about this earlier, and you had some really good reasons why that was happening. I've just put you on the spot to talk about it, but I'm interested, so everyone is
2: interested. If I were a ransomware operator, it kind of would make sense for me to target these entities. Because, I mean, small small cities are small. Yeah. What am I saying? (laughs) It's true. It's a fundamental truth. These cities that's been reported being targeted, they're small. They probably only have a small portion of the city budget to spend on things like IT infrastructure, which means these systems are not going to be the most updated and they probably the IT department is just one poor guy sitting there to deal with the infrastructure of the IT networks of the whole city. So you can expect that these aren't the most updated, um, they aren't the most regularly backed up for business continuity, yet they are also responsible for the everyday function of the city and they can't afford to have unscheduled downtime. And you can also imagine the kind of serious consequences it would have if they affected emergency services like if the ambulance couldn't work or emergency personnel couldn't get to might like, affect the people.
1: And I think we were seeing something quite similar in um, with the power outage in Johannesburg. So it's not just isolated to Europe, it's also happening elsewhere in the world. And I think with Johannesburg we saw that um the there were power outages. So it was affecting you it was a big human cost there, like people couldn't get power. And I guess it's the same here. Like it's it's quite lucrative
2: in that sense. So you can imagine If you don't have power, you're going to find yourself really inconvenienced to do a lot of things. Mm. You can't have hot water showers. Possible problem, but still, you'll feel the pain. So these entities are kind of forced to, or they have a lot of pressure to get the systems up and running. And sometimes the easiest and possibly the cheapest way would be to pay the ransom instead of rebuilding from scratch.
1: Which I don't get, because if they don't have the money in the first place to pay for the... For the security how can they pay for the ransomware fee so how, what's that
0: often the ransomware fees are quite small uh, so they're not as well small you know, with, in comparison. yeah they, so they're not these like huge fees that we would see charged by some of the more organized or more sophisticated variants the ransomware groups are really good at pitching it so it's enough to make them money but like, not so much that they would throw the city council into a crisis by
2: making them pay. It's almost enough that they're like, okay, we'll just pay it to make it go away. Mm. I think some of the operators, they do collect information on the financial status mm. of the cities that they're going to infect, so they know actually how much, the, how much money these cities have. And they also kind of force the city to respond because the ransom will increase by a certain deadline if the city does not pay. So you can keep delaying payment, but you're gonna find yourself having a bigger and bigger bill.
1: Very targeted, isn't it? Well, so I guess if you've been hit by this ransomware, what are the next steps? You paid the ransomware fee. Um, Can you prevent that sort of attack moving forwards?
0: It's just about good security. It's about overall kind of security in depth and making sure that you're not an attractive target. So we would never recommend paying the ransomware because you might be, you're seen as a vulnerable target, so you might be hit again. And also there's absolutely no guarantee that you'll get that data back because a lot of ransomware will damage the data, or they might just not give you the decryption key. So it's not something that we would necessarily recommend doing. We would say have regular backups, you know, make sure you've got no glaring vulnerabilities in your system. It's about prevention rather than
2: reaction. And don't click on links in email. <laughs> <laughs> Usually, if the offer is too good, it's too good to be true. So true. Well, nice. Okay, so I think moving on. Well, in other news, we have some activity from Chinese state-affiliated actors. So there's one incident involving um, Winty, which is both the name for the malware and also for the group. So what
1: are we seeing with the Winty threat group? What are they doing?
2: they're back again (laughs) targeting german companies again is it
1: just german companies or did they start off targeting other people first
0: they started out as financially motivated so i think this is quite interesting because they started out targeting casinos yeah and like gaming companies i think in southeast asia online gaming yes yes yes. and then they switched in about the last i'd say three or four years to do much, you know, the things that yeah that we'd kind of associate with Chinese state actors, right, then there's much more traditionally, yes, the and much a reconnaissance role. And this incident in Germany is kind of solidifying that. And, and I think for us, this incident is really interesting when we compare it to another incident we had this week because we had this, yes, yeah, so it's TA428 yes. this week. And we went back and forth because there's some, indication that they might be APT18, but we don't really know because there aren't any technical indicators. Chinese groups often share tools and infrastructure and they'll swap targeting, so it's quite difficult to attribute it to a specific group. But TA48 were very specifically targeting kind of China's regional neighbors um, and using years about 5G. And that's quite interesting because the security industry as a whole, we have quite a Western bias. And particularly when we talk about Chinese state actors, we talk about Russian state actors, it's always as opposed to the West, or it's very us versus them thing. And so we tend to forget the fact that actually. Chinese state actors have been consistently conducting espionage and reconnaissance against their regional neighbors for years and years and years and years and years, and it's quite systematic. And it's all connected to the same motivation, which is about this Belt and Road initiative.
2: Or conducting espionage to understand mm, governmental policies mm. that's going on in the region. It's not that Chinese track actors only target Western countries. The more high profile ones are obviously the ones that's been reported about them targeting. The US, Cloud Kong, yeah, yeah. APT1. But the truth is that Chinese track actors, they target anyone and everyone, especially if you have information that could put them at a strategic advantage. So, some of the examples that we've seen um, APT12 has targeted Japan and Taiwan, mm-hmm. and Whitefly or Mo Fang, which is supposedly Chinese Link, has also targeted. Has also been reported to be the tractor behind the data breach on Singapore's health services. Mm. That's what, that was quite a big, one, wasn't it? Was it one of the in Singapore? Yeah, it's the yeah. SingHealth breach. Yeah.
1: Um. So I think for our, our moving on to the last story, I think it was just news broke this, this week that a software engineer in Seattle hacked into a server holding customer information for Capital One, and they obtained the personal data of just over 100 million people. So I think this makes it one of the bigger breaches in the world, ahead of the Uber breach, but just far behind Equifax. So I think, yeah, uh, should should we focus on this Capital One breach? I mean, is there any sophistication going on here with the threat actor who targeted Capital One?
0: Uh, So it was was an individual. I mean, it's quite, it raises, I think for me, the questions that it raises are more interesting than the actual breach itself. So, the individual behind it kind of gained access to an AWS bucket used by Capital One. Um, she allegedly previously worked for Amazon as an engineer. So, there's potential that she might have used that knowledge to facilitate this attack, uh, which was essentially through a misconfiguration of the firewall on a web application that it then extracted the Capital One AWS identity and access management role credentials, and that enables access to server data. But it kind of raises the question, I guess, A, about, for me, about responsibility for the breach itself, because we think we're in this age where we think about third-party providers and vulnerabilities. And yes, so Capital One, we're using an AWS bucket, right? That's a potentially a third-party provider, but at the same time, it's theirs. They're responsible for setting it up. So it's them using a service, but being responsible for that service, which kind of, for me, certainly takes it out of the traditional definition of a third party provider, mm. if that makes sense.
1: Because I think at first um, there was concern from Amazon's side that they thought it was a vulnerability. That
0: Yeah, and it's, it's not. It's not to do with Amazon, but Capital One are using an Amazon service mm. but they're also responsible for the way that they've if that makes sense yeah so i think that we we could be seeing some potential implications both in terms of legal and regulatory definitions i think yeah it's definitely forward. a wake-up
2: call
1: for the industry to yeah
2: move. but it should not be a wake-up call at this mm. point because data breaches happens almost every day yeah this is a very high profile one, but. If you do a search on data breach online, you probably can find MongoDBs, plenty of them being expo- yeah. exposing personal identifiable information. Hmm. I mean, just a few days ago, Sephora Asia sent me an email saying that they've experienced a data yeah. breach. Yeah. 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 That is that
0: is a really interesting not about the eyeshadow palette, although okay. that is in fact interesting, <laughs> but also about how it Commonplace. So, the other, I think, real question to come out of this is the sensationalization of breaches. So, this capital one thing is big news, everyone's talking about it. And I wonder if by sensationalizing individual breaches, we're almost not taking responsibility for the fact that this is the new normal. So, we're still saying, oh, this is a sensation, this thing happened, it's really big. Whereas, actually, it's it's not. Um, I guess for me, the comparison is about reusable straws in a world of climate change, which is of course laudable. And I think if you're going to use reusable straws, that's great. But at the same time, there are a hundred companies who are significantly doing damage to the environment, and me yeah. using a reusable straw is not going to change that, right? Yeah. And, and I feel like it's almost the same thing. We're, we're saying, here's this one thing, and if they change because it's so big everything will be better and actually it's not because it's going on every day and it
2: starts with you Mm -hmm. i use reusable (laughs) straws
1: so i think that's everything for today um i think just to end end this podcast um what's been the highlight of your week so far the
2: sephora breach got me thinking what, what did it get you
1: thinking about?
2: What are they gonna do with knowledge of what I buy from Sephora? Hopefully send you presents and gifts
0: in this economy.
2: That <laughs> would <will> be
1: great.
0: <laughs> Maybe these draft actors are Robin Hood and they're like stealing everyone's data to send them.
2: Presents? Yeah. Oh, I'll uh, welcome you oh, then. That's nice. <laughs> I haven't received presents in a long time. This would be nice. Oh. We can send you presents. Oh, thank you. <laughs> We'll send care packages to the Singapore Yes. Oh, I loved
1: it. Um, and Rose, what about you? What's been What's been on your highlight for the week?
0: For me, in terms of cyber, it's just been this polarisation of the ransomware thing because that's something that we've been talking about for a really long time. So it's just quite nice to have that starting to come through as evidence and starting to see that actually have an impact on the environment um in terms of other things having a here is great oh
2: really enjoyed i love it. to be here yeah i should be here more often probably. i think so yeah how are we going to
1: coordinate that moving forwards so, you know what gonna get want to get you on the podcast all the time i have to just dial you in at maybe a really random
2: time yeah just dial me in <laughs> <laughs>
0: Won't we'll, we'll use you like phone a friend for what really <laughs> <mean, like, laughs> now we'll have we'll have a section we can have a whole new section of the podcast that's just called cool call schlemm call and we now. won't tell you,
1: we'll just call you up. <laughs>
2: like we need a comment. I don't know what at 3 a.m. in the morning. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well I have to say my highlight has definitely been the podcast. It's very exciting to join to have two other lovely ladies from literature.
2: This is your
0: first podcast, isn't it? Is it? My third podcast that's very so yeah. Thank you for having yeah. us on. Thank, Thank
1: you. you for it all